When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Someone that was right in amongst the Black Clash and absolutely loves being at the Black Clash. He's probably the face of the Black Clash is our next guest. For some, it might be described as rugby heaven. Well, others it will be the dread of another type of bubble. This time in 2022, yesterday, New Zealand Rugby confirmed the news that they are moving all six New Zealand-based Super Rugby teams to Queenstown for at least a month to ensure the competition can stay intact. Day games will be played in Queenstown with buses transporting teams to Invercargill for the night fixtures under lights. Rob Nicol is CEO of New Zealand Rugby Players Association and was no doubt right in the thick of things and he has joined us. He joined us last year and he, well, he brought some heat and some great insight and some great info. So look forward to this chat. Rob Nicol, Rugby Players Association. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Israel. How are you, mate? We're good, mate. We're good. We're good. How are you? We're, we've come to another decision. Mate, it's all been gone. It's, I know there's been probably been a lot of work behind the scenes, but, mate, for you, was this the most realistic option, getting, getting down to Queenstown? It is at the moment. I mean, we're kind of operating on a little bit of quicksand because we don't really know what the plan is from the government. And um, sport, just like every industry, whether you're a tradie or a tourism operator, when you've got uncertainty and you've got um, mm. kind of a broad blanket rule covering the country, you've just got to kind of, it's almost like a week-by-week week proposition, and it makes it really difficult uh, when you're dealing with a lot of people and a lot of people's livelihoods and things like mm. that. So, yeah, th- at the moment, this is the best call, but that could change next week, for example, if they went to phase two and sports people were critical workers or sports was regarded as critical um, or they went to phase three. As soon as they go to phase three, then it's household contacts and seven days, and we can bring all the everyone home and carry on with our lives. But the the bottom line is, like so many businesses and schools now, um, you know, if one person um, comes in contact with Omicron or COVID, uh, it takes whole organisation down, and we just couldn't afford that to happen at this stage. Yeah. What's what's the mood? What's the mood from the players and the the, the organisations, the franchises? What's the feeling around around the groups? 
Yeah, look, it's, it's a little bit pensive, to be honest. Um, it's a bit nervous mm-hmm. because it's not just the next two to three to four weeks that we're looking to manage. We're also looking at the horizon and say, what does this mean longer term? And we really need some some movement, um, positive movement in a clear direction so we can get our heads around it and make long-term plans. So the vast majority of the players in the Super Rugby squads have been engaged in pre-season doing the hard yards. Um, and so actually the idea of going into a bubble for two or three weeks, you know, maybe stretching to four, is something that they can get their heads around. The, the guys that went on the, the big tour at the end of last year and have got back, it's a, it's a bit of a different proposition. They're only just coming back into the teams now and they're coming into a bubble situation, they've got a long year ahead. So rightly so, they're kind of going, wow, what does this mean for the rest of the year? And families and commitments um, outside of rugby and all that side of things. So, you know, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of conversations, but there's also a lot of support and information flowing. So, you know, people are getting their heads around it, but it's, but it's not easy. And ironically, if we were just dealing with this and we knew things were going to be normal after that and we could get on with it, it would be a lot easier, but we don't know that, and, and we've just got to do the best we can with the, the circumstances as they are. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Robert Spaz here, mate. Um, just in regards to the bubbles, uh, I've been in some of these bubbles overseas before, and I find the part-time bubbles don't really work. Are, are all the hotel staff and everyone else also incorporated in the bubble, or is it just the players and, and support staff? Uh, it's the players and the support staff, and um, also operating their bubbles will be the you know the TV crews and all the all the staff and people that are needed to put on a game. Um, and then with hotel staff, there's precautions being taken as best they possibly can. But that's the point you make is really, you know, that's one of the issues we've been debating as you go to all this trouble of taking 300 odd people down and setting up six bubbles. Um, albeit that they, they're going to play some games against each other and you get one you know, case um, come in and it, and it kind of takes the whole thing down. But that was weighed up against the risk of you know every player and staff member associated with a, a super rugby team going home each night and um, you know being with family and being with friends and being out and about. And the conclusion was it's only a matter of time before one of them becomes a close contact or someone contracts Omicron or COVID. And um, the net result of that is it's going to take that team out for minimum 10 days, which is pretty devastating. So it it was a no situations ideal. It was a risk-reward kind of trade-off. And we've taken taken the plunge and decided that this is is what we're going to do. Um, Ultimately, this all comes back to this this close contact definition that, that the government have got in place, which, you know, talking to a lot of my trading mates in particular, it's just doing everyone's head in because, you know, it's been tough enough as it is. And these people have built businesses and their livelihoods are at stake. And if one of their staff go down, that takes their whole organisation down and there's now no support really there for them, no subsidies. Mm-hmm. So there is a massive disincentive to test. And so the word going around, and you guys would have picked it up, but everyone's just like, right, there's no way we're getting tested because um, the danger of that and the damage it's going to do to our staff and our business and our welfare is massive. And that kind of, that, that's a real concern for everyone because if mm. people aren't getting tested, you're not getting information, the stats, and then you know, we seem to be having calls made based on based on that and, and so how accurate is it? And so... Now that that's the big challenge we have at the moment is that close contact definition, and it's it's creating some real um, real challenges. I think if if we could move to the situation 
very similar to Australia. I think that would alleviate a lot of issues. One, we wouldn't be doing the bubble. You know, basically it's household contacts, isolate, six, seven days, negative test, return to work. Uh, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, the Super Rugby teams will be boxing on, knowing that we're going to get cases of Omicron. We've brought in a few extra players to create some more depth. We've relaxed replacement player rules. And there'll be a real focus amongst the players to minimise the risk and make sure we can try and get teams out each week to provide some entertainment for people. And outside of that, businesses and all the, all, all the others would be able to do the same, um, knowing that you're going to have periods where staff and teachers and emergency workers go down, but there's, there's an avenue and a quick, quick avenue to get them back into the workforce and, and doing what they want to be doing. So from our perspective, the sooner we get to that point, the better. Uh, absolutely no doubt. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> I just look at it, I think there's, there's other sports and other competitions going on at the moment. So, so how come rugby's different from, from those? For instance, cricket tournaments, are, competitions going on around around New Zealand at the moment, and it's the same virus, so what's the difference? Yeah, and they're all, they're all facing that same risk, and that's a, that's a big challenge for them, and they're all doing their best to manage it. Um, and if Omicron kicks off the way they're saying, that risk is only going to intensify until the close contact definition changes. So, you know, in 10 days' time, are we going to see those teams still being able to run out, or are they going to have to isolate because mm. someone within that environment contracted Omicron? So that's the challenge, but... You know, the point you're making, Baz, is it's, it's, it's massive. I mean, we've just seen an unbelievable Melbourne Open, you know, Australian Open taking place in Melbourne mm. at arguably the height of Omicron. Um, you know, players and support staff flying in from around the world. Like, the way Australia have managed this whole situation is just so far ahead of us, unfortunately. And um, it's, you know, we had massive advantages early on being an island nation, being able to close our borders and protect our people and learn. But we, we've, we've been behind the eight ball since then, and it, it's made it incredibly difficult um, for everyone. Not, I mean, your sport's sort of down the list a little bit, but you're thinking of you know, everyone else, the tourism operators, people overseas wanting to return home, um, businesses wanting to get supplies and getting things underway. It, it, just across the board, that surely there's a better way to do it. And I have to say, I look at Australia, and I look when we had the bubble with them, and you know, maybe if we'd kept the bubble with Australia at that point, and, and not effectively divorced ourselves from them and stayed alongside them and, and matched our policies with them, maybe we'd look something a little bit more like Queensland right now and, and we'd be coming out the other side of it before winter. And um, and we would have been able to let a lot of industries and businesses, including sport, um, you know, continue, including from a rugby perspective, hosting the rugby championships and knowing that Ireland will be able to come down and in, in July and from a cricket perspective knowing that South Africa can be here in a few weeks and knowing that the Cricket World Cup's going to be able to go ahead and and the likes and um, you know it, it, I'll be honest it, it's it's frustrating yeah. Very very frustrating Rob um, I don't think we've learnt anything in the last two years but anyway we're not a political station we'll stay away from that um, Mate quickly just for we. <laughs> We let, you, we let you go. I want to talk to you about Queenstown. What, what was the decision to head to Queenstown and, and obviously share it between Invercargill and Queenstown? There's a lot of moving parts uh, from Queenstown to Invercargill. Uh, was there an incentive? I know Chris Lindham's come out today and said it's going to cost seven figures. It's going to cost a million odd dollars, so there's a lot of money that's going to be spent on this. Was there an incentive for heading to Queenstown, um, you know, giving back to, to New Zealand rugby? 
Yeah, we looked at lots of different reasons, and you know, I'm from the deep south of Zao, and I reckon the closer you can get to Invercargill and Stewart Island, the better. So that that was a big, <laughs> a big factor in it. Um, <laughs> all the boys are like, well, "Come oh, on, mate, get the opportunity to play in Invercargill, please get us down there." Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can't figure out. Funny weird. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm in Queenstown, you know, there's been a lot of communication with them previously. Like, we were actually yeah. looking to hold, host a whole rugby championship in Queenstown at run stage, and there's frankly no reason why that couldn't have happened um, and bring international teams in. So the, the key reasons were we've got multiple hotels that frankly aren't being used. There's no MIQ facility yeah. there. So you've got multiple hotels straight away, and if, if it's not a main centre in terms of it's not Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington, so you're de-risking the situation there. Um, Hamilton and the Bay of Plenty, Waikato, have kind of been the site of Salonicon outbreaks, so there was a bit of a risk associated with that. You can look at something like Rotorua, but you've got MIQ hotels there and not enough stock of hotels to, to cater for, mm. for what we're after. So when you actually went through the exercise, um, Queenstown became pretty obvious. Uh, we get charter flights in there with the teams. Um, they've got uh, enough facilities to cater for them, just. Um, and, yeah, it comes back to they've got hotels that don't have people in it because we don't have a, a border that can facilitate you know, tourism at the moment. So uh, it became quite logical. Plus, we have, in all seriousness, we've got Invercargill with lights, and so we can bus teams rather than fly teams to a ground, which is a really important one. And if we needed, we could actually bus to the Needham and plan to need them because obviously we can't have crowds at red settings. So it's not about the crowds, it's about ideally a ground with lights and then we'll also get some nice daytime rugby during summer at Queenstown and a complete outside uh, outsider would be playing a game at Wanaka. So so but being able to bus to games was pretty important. We don't want to have to get on planes and obviously the cost of planes is massive. So when you went through all the list, um, Queenstown was actually turned out to be a bit of an obvious choice. Yeah, And plus... Yeah, they're incredibly well. The team that have been on the ground down there, like they're, they're just fantastic. Like they're just, despite everything they've been through, they're just like, right, roll the sleeves up. We can do this for you. Yeah, we're into it. And um, mm-hmm. it's yeah, everything oh, I'm hearing back, it's just a great attitude from them. Yeah. Oh, it's good to hear. Being a, a man from down that way as well, it, it does happen to get quite cold down there. There though, as you well know, Rob. So that could be a, a slight issue. But hey, I want to talk to you about another great event. And another one that you were right at the forefront of uh, shepherding. He's the face the, of it. The team through. That was a success of Team Rugby. And the dominance of Team Rugby over an ageing set of cricketers. What a, what a wonderful event. And, and what was your takeaway from that, Rob, as, as manager of the side? Well, I'm not, I don't even qualify as manager. I'm well and truly in the background. I think Israel was paid to be the face of that event, wasn't it? Was at one stage, but it didn't come this yeah, year. So didn't lob someone up. had to step in. Yeah, I, I borrowed Ray's this red cricket hat. I think at one stage the sun was so so hot. But mate, what a great time, wasn't it? You know, and mm. the, the mm. best part was just seeing a ground like that just packed and fully utilised. Yeah. Food trucks, music. People having a good time. Um, Baz and we, you know, when the rugby team, of which you're a crucial and a, a founding member of it, um, but we're a bit converted here. We've got no cricketers here. No cricketers. Um, <laughs> but we, um, you know, when we drove to the ground and saw that queue, that was just classic, wasn't it? It must have stretched for a kilometre and a bit. At two and a half hours before the game kicks off and um, kids and, I don't know, it was just, it was just awesome. It's, it's exactly what entertainment and sport and everything should be about, mate. And, 
the beauty is that two all we get to repeat it next year and go three two up at Hagley, um, so that'll be quite mm. fun. But it, it was put on for a number of different reasons. Um, provides a, a little bit more light-hearted entertainment. Make the cricketers feel absolutely horrible because you know they hate having to play that game. They love everything else around it, but <laughs> having to get their whole bodies up. <laughs> Kyle Mills yeah, doesn't well, talk to me. He doesn't talk to me outside of abusing me for <laughs> and his brother for, for suggesting we play this game. Um, but yeah, and then the rugby boys absolutely love it. And bringing some young lads in was awesome as well. Mm. But that awesome. obviously it is too tall now. They got no chance unless they freshen up their side. But the um, that whole event, you're you're bang on, Rob. Like the crowd, the the. The, the queues of people to get into that ground, it just shows you how much New Zealand are just crying out for sporting events, right? We've been starved of the opportunity to go and attend sporting events of late. And I know that the, the Super Rugby um, competition is going to be played behind closed doors as well. But at some stage when we do get through this, New Zealand is just going to turn up and watch sporting events in their droves, aren't they? Yeah, I think we will see that kind of a rebound and that, you know, it's almost like a, and, and even just getting on with it, I mean, we've seen we've seen Australia do it. Um, we've seen other countries around the world are well and truly onto it. You know, we've got meetings coming in now. We're the only country not travelling to the meeting. You know, normally we would be travelling and we'd be around the table and engaging, but we are the only country not travelling. So you know, this this activity around the world is picking up and it's moving on. And um, and I, you know, Kiwis will rebound, and it's not just sport. It'll be music. It'll be you know, get-togethers, weddings, you know, family occasions, all that side of stuff will pick up and, and, and we'll work through it. But it's almost like we've just got, we're going to have a couple of months of one, dare I say it, the government adapting their policies to the situation so that we can all get on um, and trying to get that right. And you can see right now that they're wrestling with that and each day they're coming out and, and trying to, to sort of catch up in, in my kind of view, which is yeah. at least it's good to see yeah. some action. Um, and then we're going to get on with it. It's going to be a tough, a couple of really tough months. We've seen every other country go through it, and arguably, mm. quite possibly, the toughest of COVID. Um, but if we can get through it and mm. come out the outside, the other side, then yeah, um, sports, everything else kicks off. And I can tell you now, there's a, there's a lot of athletes, individual athletes, travelling the world that want to perform, and and teams that want to perform for everyone. And hopefully, we get our platform to do that soon. Be good. Yeah, awesome. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Rob Nicholl, uh, CEO of the Rugby Players Association. We really appreciate your time, mate. I think the pressure's on. I predict that maybe the Super Rugby teams will be back sooner rather than later, mate. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Have a great day, and uh, we'll get you on very shortly, bud. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Ciao. Field of gold in front here at the 250, led by three from Seamus. RJ's flight, the perfect pink out wider. It's field of gold at the 150. Clear in the Legacy Lodge, Waikato Guineas, the perfect pink, and Seamus can't get him. And the field of gold, and a brilliant front running ride by Michael McNabb. Field of gold won the Legacy Lodge, Waikato Guineas, the perfect pink second. Summed up beautifully by race caller George Simon, a beautiful front-running ride from Wee Nabba, who got Field of Gold to the front, put them to sleep, then turned it into a sprint straight up the straight. Being a half-brother to New Zealand Derby, when assured Forrest puts Field of Gold right in the Derby equation as well for this year. And after yesterday, well, he's now equal third favourite. Eight bucks on the line of betting.
Tony Pike. He's the mastermind behind the horse, and he's with us now. Good morning, Pikey. Good morning, Baz. Pretty happy with the ride Nabba gave it yesterday, mate. Yeah, he gets it right every now and then. <laughs> two instructions, <laughs> or you let or you let him go. No, it was probably two instructions. It looked like a race devoid of uh, tempo. Um, obviously, he led at his last start, and just sort of said, "I've been getting to a nice rhythm." And um, you know, there's no one going to take you on. He's more than happy for you just to roll along in front. And like he did, he judged it very, very well. Yeah, too right, mate. You've always said this horse got a bit of brilliance about him, eh? And compared to Sherwood Forest, too, who's obviously the brother as as well. So, why did what is it about him that you thought was uh, was that brilliance? Uh, look, he's, you know, he's obviously running all the better three-old races along the way. Um, he ran third, probably a touch unlucky not to run second to Nevera and the Guineas. Um, just being Sherwood's Forest brother, we, he's always been a little bit more brilliant being by Star Spangled Banner. And just sort of thought once he gets up to that 2,000-metre trip, um, you know, it's, it's probably going to get be better for him. And I think he's you know, just continued to strengthen throughout the preparation. And you've also got... Uh... You got the other or well, second favourite in the Derby as well, and Tutakaka. So, what is it, mate, about uh, about Derby horses? Like, what is it that you need to be able to get a horse to progress through to the Derby? Uh, they're going to be a reasonably tough sort of three-year-olds. I think they get, they've got to eat and, and handle the racing well going forward. Um, you know, it's not time, easy at this time of the year with the very firm tracks. Um, you know, to to get the mileage into them and, and keep them 100% sound. So. You know, they've got to be you know pretty tough horses to to get through to to peaking at a at a derby. It's it's definitely not an easy easy race to get them to um you know, along the way. It's it's probably one of the harder ones. Hey mate, uh, Tony, it's Izzy here. Great to have you on the show. But hey, um, quickly, just you got two of the two of the top three favourites in the derby. You got Tutakaka, and now you got Field of Gold. Which one's more suited, mate? Oh, probably a hard question. Um, Tudakaka's <laughs> already had a run over the, you know, the, the Derby trip. Obviously, in the BRC Derby, um, you know, yeah. his run in the crack and medium was was super, and you know, we definitely know he'll run the trip out. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I can't really lean either way to be honest. Um, you know, I think they're both going to be very good chances once they get there. And look, I'm not going to complain if uh, whichever one wins. To be honest. Yeah, mate. So got some pretty champion horses. Great to have one, uh, let alone two, in the, in the big race coming up, mate. What next for you? What have you got coming up in, in the next couple of weeks that you can maybe steer us towards? I'm getting a bit of heat on on the text line because I'm tipping out a few things and they're not coming through. But can you lead us into something in the next couple of weeks, Pikey? Yeah, pretty quiet this weekend. But um, got a really nice two-year-old going around at Wirrakarra on Wednesday called Total Recall. She's strolled up. Uh, very well twice. She should be extremely hard to beat on uh, debut at Royal Kaka next Wednesday. Ooh, totally Beautiful. Beautiful. That one is going straight in the black book. Hey, Pikey, <laughs> just uh, one last thing on Field of Gold, mate. He's obviously, well, he's ran second in a Group 2, second in a Group 3, third in a Group 1. Now he's a Group 2 winner. Just that, he clearly a, a horse which has, uh, has deserved to, to get there um, and, and to pick up its, its accolade. Did did you know right pretty early that you, that you had something something pretty special? Yeah, we always liked him as a young horse. Um, we had to run him on a heavy track at Tirata, uh, which he won in a small field. Never really liked the ground, but um, got the job done before he headed down uh, south for the the Guineas path. But yeah, just a, a lovely type of horse that you know he's always had plenty of strength about him and showing us plenty of ability on the training tracks. 
probably not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's just taken a while to really put things together. Uh, race day, but he's um, he's becoming a lot more professional in his races, um, especially his last couple of runs. Nice. Hey, um, just one one thing. Obviously, COVID's been uh, been around now for a while. The racing industry came to a halt for a while, but you guys are still operating now and without crowds and things. How is it? Is the is the industry buoyant with uh, with racing still going on, albeit without without crowds? Uh, look, yeah, I think taking a, a feed off Australia, obviously it's, it's very strong in Australia and I think domestically, you know, turnovers are up and, you know, there's some positivity out there, especially with, um, obviously, the Auckland um, merger. Um, that's going to be fantastic for the industry. So there's some good things, you know, some, some light at the end of the tunnel and obviously, you know, it'd be nice to get owners back on uh, on course. Um, you know, owner participation and, and engagement's a huge thing. So, you know, it's not easy for the clubs, but... Um, you know, hopefully they can uh, they can still open the doors and, and let owners sort of get to the course, obviously, in a safe way. Um, and hopefully all this blows over reasonably quickly. Does it still give you enough confidence as you head towards the uh, NZB Caraca sales, yielding sales, to unleash, open the wallet and, and have a real crack? Oh, my wallet's not that big, but I'll be having a crack anyway. I <laughs> 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 no, will we'll... <laughs> we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely be buying a fair few at Caraca. Um Normally, we've obviously been to the Gold Coast or or the Classic Sale and, and possibly Melbourne before um, Caraca, But um, you know that's been very difficult, and the strength of the Australian sales has been quite phenomenal, really. So um, you know, I'm sure they will flow over here for the better ones. And uh, yeah, look, we'll definitely be doing a lot of work. We'll start our yelling inspections next week, and um, you know, hopefully we can buy some nice horses um, to, to take through to the you know the Cracker Million races over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, well, if you want a derby, win it, then get on, get on the Tony Pike train. Thanks, mate. We'll uh, really appreciate you joining us, and um, well done yesterday, and and all the best for uh, for the derby and all your other stable and total recall. We will be all over. Thank you. Yep. Mate. Cheers, Pikey. Hey, <laughs> boys. Thank you. Preseason Super Rugby is back this weekend, and one man who will be fired up is Razor Ray, Cruiser Crusaders coach and all-round champion New Zealander, Razor. Scotty Robinson. Good morning, Ray. Morning, it's an intro. Wow. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Got to pump you Better up, mate. You're like me. One. Peak. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you just... Gonna, well, you want me to get in some stats? You want some stats, Ray? Or We're very good, man. We're good. No. How are you, Ray? I know you're into the full swing of, of pre-season one this week, mate. So how's how's the... Pre-season been gone, and, and you got all the all, all Blacks boys back into camp as well. So how's it all been, bud? Yeah, great. It's always good to um, get a returning Crusaders. Our All Black boys um, always give them a, a wee hacker in, and a, uh, you know, nice. just so thankful for what they've done for us and their, um, you know, how much money they bring to and hard work they've bought, and that comes straight in their training level. Just jump straight up again and. You know, there's young, you know, young guys in, in awe. Um, and, and that's what you want. You know, you want that role modelling of um, the, the, these quality men that come back into your environment. And this weekend, you know, we've got two teams. Um, we've got a lot of guys that are training mm. with us. Um, it's their opportunity, Dekka. You know, they've put their heart and souls into mm. to pre-season. Uh, and they're fit and they get to go on a bus to Omaru for three and a half hours um, and play a game in front of no one. But, but look, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for them. Um, and then, um, you know, we, we go into the bubble next Wednesday. Yeah, nice, mate. I seen that squad yesterday. Some exciting um, some exciting players playing for you. Vaha Koro, I'm looking forward to watching him go, mate. And what about the number eight, Pablo 
Matera, mate. How's he been transitioning into the squad and, and throughout the preseason, mate? And what, what's he been bringing to the group? A lot of leadership, obviously, big leader in Argentina. Has he been fitting in well? He's, he's really interesting. His English is way better than I thought it would be. Um, he, went to, um, yeah. he, he spoke English and Spanish at school. Like that was how they, I think it was Spanish in the morning, English in the afternoon. And his wife, Elena, and um, the 10 years away, son, they, they did great. They've, they've basically toured the whole of Canterbury region. Yeah. Um, they've tried to make it their own straight away. So off-field's fine. So he's come in and basically there's no clarity level it's only we've had to pull him back it's full like intensity at all sort of <laughs> trainings i think i think he's come from argentina trainings where they just got a hundred and and he's <laughs> and he's got it we've just worked so hard on the skill set we've worked um mm. but he's an awesome pro first in rolling up watches his clips uh he does extras he's um he's an impressive man human as much as well as a as a rugby player yeah awesome hey razor it's uh it's baz here mate plenty of uh serious questions around the bubble to ask shortly but can we can we just on a slightly more light-hearted way take you back about two weeks to your ability to galvanize a group of uh rugby players to to just put a, a clinic on and just take care of uh, some ageing cricketers. Can you just explain to us just how much that means to you? Well, well yeah, thanks, Baz, and thanks for um, your input too, man. I, I just can't believe you're blue to see a ball after sort of four or five beers before a game. You've done extremely well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Long lunches, but Don't uh, give away the What a weekend. What a weekend, man. Like... It, it's pretty special, eh? Like the the ability of all these, you know, we've got our own um, sporting sort of journeys, and we've got our own lives. But you come to back for this this moment, and everyone's got a, the skill set. But everyone's such good buggers. The the crowd just genuinely love it. Like I was, I was managing the crowd. I wasn't managing the cricket. Obviously, I've got no idea about that. But <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I, we see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay on a few green teas, or yeah, but the, 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 the what I I just couldn't believe the nervousness of it. Like there's this little apprehensions that everyone's guys played all these different levels. You get a crowd involved in a little bit of competition. You can just tell people were just well, oh, here we go. I've got to front up because you know what Ted's like. He's pretty brutal. He'll drop you if you don't front. <laughs> hey, sure. Yeah, nag. He dropped Nuggy, didn't he? <laughs> And Nuggie was spewing too, spewing. Brad Weaver spewing. (laughs) Tough game. Anyway, hey, uh, hey, Razor. Just um, one thing I'm really fascinated um, by as as a fellow coach is what your role will be in the next little while, trying to trying to get the boys used to a different sort of life in a bubble and being away from their families and. And the challenges you mentioned, there's going to be no crowds, little things which which we're all used to. Um, what's your real sort of? What's your biggest challenge you feel in the next little while to get the boys up? Oh, again, it's the mindset around it. Look, it's, it's one good thing though, Baz. It's only three and a half weeks, so we're going to be in and out quite quickly. So it's a real great opportunity for us to to get tired as a group. But Crusaders tour better than anyone else. We historically, statistically. Um, that's good when we actually become quite tight. So, look, and it's just 
what you normally do if you go to South Africa on a normal tour. So that's how we'll frame it up. Then you just sort of go, got to go get it and make the most of it. The good thing is we'll be in Queenstown. It's, it's still summertime. Uh, and, you, and it's, there's a little bit of flexibility. You still can go on the lake and you can still get to the swimming pool and still go to manage, uh, uh, like a managed hotel or whatever it is so it's ready for us. So it's, you're not quite going from sort of bedroom to training field. Uh, so, But... You've got to get on with each other. <laughs> As you know, mate, you've been mm. on tours longer than us with the old cricket. So you've got to make sure you have a lot of downtime. So when you're off rugby, you're off. And when you're on, you're on. And then put things in between where the boys can get tight but also have time if they want to um, just chill out. Yeah, so, so Ray, when they want to chill out, uh, is it like MIQ, you can't leave the premises? Or are they able to go for a walk and and go to the park or go play some golf on the day off? Like, how, will that, how will that work? That's actually a good question. I'm not sure about golf. We did ask for Millbrook Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've like, got Millbrook. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask that. We've got Millbrook. And so, yeah, so we actually know the hotels this morning, but that's all, it's all relative to it. Like, we can, you can go and do stuff if you, you, you manage so someone can, go and take you, like the, the medical group can go and take you somewhere at night as long as you're in a small group. You, you don't have no touch points with anyone else in the public. Uh, you can go and, and can go and do things. So there's a little bit of flexibility around it, but it's also managed. So it's not quite, it's not MIQ as such. No. Okay. Hey, um, one thing I was interested in, because you wouldn't have played much rugby in in Queenstown, right? Does the feel is the conditions any different down there to what you're used to? Is the, is the surface any different, yeah. or is it pretty standard? Uh, look, there's six training fields. Like I said, Waka Kapu, there's one out at Frankton, there's one at Arrowtown. So they're just sort of sort of closest to the hotel that'll be our training, and then going, and then well, the day games are played in Queenstown, and then and the night games are down in Vicargo or maybe under the roof. We're just deciding at the moment um, which teams. So. A little bit of trouble, which is okay. You know, you, I played in France for three years. You get used to a bus, and you know, it's what three hours, just over three hours to Dunedin from Queenstown. So, uh, look under the roof is fine. You know, you're going to get a good, a great game, and obviously the tropical weather that Invercargill provides. So, we'll, um, yeah, we'll just play the conditions out in front of us. Yeah. Hey Ray, I get I, I get asked. Every year, well, how does what was Ray? What's so special about Ray? And I, I try and explain it the best of my ability. But for you, mate, how do you approach every single season with with the same mindset, the mindset to to win, the mindset to motivate? Like, what goes in, on behind the scenes? And when you're at home in the preseason, where do you get your ideas from? And and how do you stay motivated every year to get the success that you have been able to achieve? Oh, we've gone deep, deep early here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys were... Sorry, mate. I had to. I <laughs> uh, look, I think, I think you know me well enough now, Jackie, that look, I'm hugely... Yeah. Um, I'll pump your tyres. You know, really thankful. Anyway. Thank you, brother. I, I'm just really thankful for the, the opportunity to coach a team that you played for. It's pretty unique when you look around. There's not many players that get to come back and coach a team um, that's been successful and come back and do that again so look like a real honour I, I, I love so 
and of all respect, you know, like every year you, you start again with, with your theme or your selection or, or mm. how you can grow your leadership group. The first thing you have to do is get yourself right as a leader. If, if I don't evolve or come back with uh, ideas um, around from management to, to, you know, to, to looking at trends in the game, where the game's going, look at Northern Hemisphere. So I sort of break it up into sort of three areas around leadership, culture, and the game, and then what what of those areas do I need to go, and how can I be better in them? And then um, world-class coaching staff with me, like Josh Ryan's a wee champion, probably best forwards coach going probably in the world, um, one of them, and then you know, Tommy Ellison and Andy Goodman and Scott Henson, they, they've all got great experience, they've been around for a long period of time, and and, they, and we all compliment each other and they compliment me and, you know, they're all trying to pull me back with all my ideas and thoughts, we can do this. So we've got a great balance. But I, I, probably the, the big thing that I'm really proud of is the probably connection with the players, um, the ability to inspire them through a really clear vision and, and the mission, how we're going to go there and go get it by having a lot of fun on the way. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Hey, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the um, about those support stuff. Is it all uh, beer and skittles, or is or occasionally do they do they challenge Razor? Do they say Razor, mate, you're not right with this one, or, or how does it work? Is, is it, what's the relationship like there? Um, we have, oh, we we sort of stress test a lot of things just to make sure that we're on, we're aligned, or or, or, or it's going to handle the stress. So we, we, we sort of theme our meetings of what we're trying to achieve out of them. So it's just not another meeting. Then it's professional, not personal. So a lot of my ideas is what's best for the team. You know, and not, but you challenge that thought, you, you, you stress it, and where, where could it probably be bend or break? Oh, okay. Geez, there could be a better way to do it. So it's not my idea against your idea. It's the idea for the team. So we manage that quite well. Uh, and then, the, like I promised up with Scott Henson, who coaches with Jamie Joseph in Japan, and you know what Jamie is like, he's pretty pretty clear and knows what he wants to do and how he does things, and got like a, a great mind like a Tony Brown, so he comes back and experiences all those ideas from them, so looks at the game differently. Uh, and then, you know, you've got Jason Ryan with Vincotta, with Fiji, uh, Andrew Goodman's helping with Samoa, and he's a head coach as well, so... All of a sudden, you've got a balance of all these different coaches, different experiences. So you, I need to get that out of them. But also, I just go and trust. Like you go get it, boys. You go and get your your, your unit sorted. Like I'm, I'm not one of those co- um, coaches or head coaches will sit over the top and want to know the plan detail. But what I'll do is give them a clear vision where we're going to guide, what we're going to do w- with our language, and um, how how we're going to set this team up to succeed. So we've got the overarching thing, and then I'm there to support them. Awesome. Awesome, Ray. Well, appreciate your time on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. As always, mate, you're Thanks, insightful, Razor. you're funny, and we enjoy it, brother. So go well down <laughs> in Queenstown and singies and jandles, eh? Singies and jandles will be oh, first things packed, I know that for sure. <laughs> Take care, brother. brother. You're doing well, man. Thanks, man. Time for us to, well, introduce for the first time in what's going to be a pretty cool series for us. Our chat with legendary Kiwi Hooper, Tom Abercrombie. He's a champion breaker in tall black and alongside Cork Kings who design, build and install your own basketball heaven. We're going to catch up with him on Thursdays. Last night, the breakers, well, they got off to a much needed win over uh, Illawarra, 88-67. Tom didn't play, though, as this year he's been 
a heck of a battle with multiple injuries that he's had to navigate. He's on the line with us now. Good morning, mate. How are you? Morning, fellas. I'm doing good, thank you. That's the story. Last few months must have been a bit testing for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, it's been a bit rough um, you know, on a personal level having to deal with a, a lot of injuries, a torn um, oblique in the pre-season and then uh, first, first game back um, tearing tearing some connective tissue in my ankle which required surgery as well. So slowly coming back from that one. Um, but, you yeah, know, it's been a rough trot and obviously the, the boys have had to go through a whole lot of obstacles over here in Australia this year, um, mm. dealing with a few bouts of COVID and whatnot. So uh, it's definitely tested us in, in a lot of different ways. But um, great to see them put in such a good performance last night and and really see the kind of basketball that you know we're, we're capable of playing when everyone's locked in and almost everyone's available. Yeah, Tom, great to have you on the show, bro. Is he here? Um, yeah, tell us about that performance, mate. What clicked for the side, and, and there must be great morale after putting in such a clinical performance, 90 to 67, that's that's an absolute hiding. So yeah, what, what really clicked last night? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the, the game before that one, we uh, we got our butts kicked by Tassie, you know, coming off a two-week mm. break where, um, you know, half the team had had COVID once again. So um, it, it's very tough. We've seen a, a lot of teams go through go through it this year and coming back from, from breaks like that uh, against teams which are, you know, finely tuned and, and have been playing basketball. It's just very hard to match that intensity and, and be quite at that level from the outset. And we were caught on the back foot to start in that one, never recovered, but um, you know, boys had a good hard look at each other after that one and, and came out with uh, just great intent last night, played with terrific energy defensively, which has been a, you know, a massive weakness of us this year is, is how we've defended. Uh, we got after it last night and we, we could see that toughness and you know, guys were getting deflections and, and that turned into some really nice basketball at the other end too. The ball was moving around and working for us. And you know, we've got the pieces there to, to be a very dangerous team when it's all clicking. And um, you know, watching that last night was an absolute pleasure. Uh, unfortunately, I'm stuck in Melbourne while they're watching, but there was far less yelling at the TV <laughs> last night than there was the one before. <laughs> I bet, mate. I bet there's nothing worse than watching your team go to battle and you just can't do anything about it. Mate, tell us about your role, your role within the squad. Um, obviously, it wasn't planned to go over and, and have so many niggly injuries and, and be off the court, but what kind of role are you running throughout the team and, and what, what, what's your role during the week? Um, oh, look, it's to be honest, it's been tough. Like, um, I'm obviously the, the captain of this team and it, it's very hard to... To lead when you're not able to be out there and um, going through the, you know, the challenges with the guys, and um, you know, you, you can talk as much as you want to the guys and, and and try and build them up that way. But it's very hard when you're not out there experiencing it all too. So, um, you know, these guys are on the road a lot. Uh, we obviously don't have any home games, so a lot of yeah. um, travel away for home games as well as away games. Um, so, you know, from I guess from a personal level, it's about trying to do all those things I can off the court to keep these guys um, motivated and, and in check. But uh, to be honest, a lot of that comes from those those leaders in the team, you know, your Paytons and Finns and Yarnies who are, who are out there doing it uh, and going through it. Yeah. And um, I'm obviously focused on trying to get back there as soon as possible. You know, I, it's obviously tough any time you're watching, but um, to see some of the stuff that, you know, the guys have gone through. When's that, see, brother? 
when are you back? <laughs> Hopefully a few <laughs> weeks, man. Hopefully a few more weeks. Yeah. I'm out of the cast of Moonboot now and, and doing the rehab, so a few more weeks and hopefully I'll be back, back out there. Hmm, nice. Uh, good man. Well, we're going to let you go, Tom, but I'm sure the boys will appreciate when you do get back and I'm sure your presence around the group is still um, driving the whole culture of things forward as well. We look forward to the partnership with Court Kings as well and I'm sure you're going to get on the tools when uh, when when the, uh, the courts do get installed. I'm sure we'll be able to get you out of injury and and help install some of these courts, eh? Absolutely. Izzy, you look like you've got a pretty good backyard there for a basketball hoop, mate. We'll, we'll get down to Christchurch <laughs> and put one in for you, eh? i just got no you knees got and ankles, it, bro, and a hell of big bum. So no, good, no good, no humps. <laughs> uh, legend. Thanks, thanks, Tom. Tom Evan from the...